Welcome, everybody, to Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, presented by Renthal and Maxis. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. FlyRacing.com. Zach Osborne, Blake Baggett, uh, just a few of the guys. Justin Brayton, wearing Fly Racing out there. Uh, please check out the latest and greatest from those guys, if you can, on FlyRacing.com's website. The Formula Helmet, they've literally spent a million dollars developing this thing, and it's fantastic. I wore it today dirt bike riding as i do this podcast and uh, i love it man it's, it's a great helmet so please check it out on the web and i also want to thank the folks at max's tires alex ray he can't keep the front end uh down max's tires hook up so well mxsts developed by jeremy mcgrath used by catanzaro and alex ray out there in supercross and don't forget the mountain bike tires are primo as well maxis.com utv tires light truck tires that type of stuff renthal the fat bar 36 out now renthal.com you know the name you know all the championships they have whether it's in uh, europe or whether it's in uh, america renthal has been on the bars of so many riders honda guys use them monster energy uh, kawasaki monster energy pro circuit red bull ktm blah 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 renthal you know the name and you know the quality so thanks to those guys for coming on board as well check out that fat bar 36 if you uh, want to see the latest and greatest from technology handlebar wise so uh thanks for listening i appreciate it i'm steve mathis with me on the line uh a moto media brethren of mine from the races from swap moto live it's michael antonovich what's up anton how are you what's going on mathis thanks for calling me up thanks for doing this appreciate it um yeah this would be a good time yeah yeah why not right we got atlanta coming up this weekend i don't know when people are going to hear this but atlanta coming up this weekend uh triple crown is in the past and it's been a good season um, for racing, I've been happy with all the tracks. I, I've been happy with all the racing. I'm not my usual grouchy self, Anton. Like it's been a good year. I've noticed that you've been very upbeat. Like you've kind of just come to embrace the fact that this is what you do. This is it. This maybe is, this is yeah. life every Saturday. Maybe I I, I did announce uh, beginning of the year this was my last year covering the sport. I did it, but Wygant right. and Thomas didn't seem concerned. Yeah, I don't. Uh, they didn't really have very many reasons to be. And then also, do remember that you said years ago that when you leave, you're giving me that black book. So I'll yeah. hold you to that. Right, right. I had a bet, uh, and thanks to our buddy Moser, um, he kept track of the date and the showtime. I had bet JT a hundred dollars that I would be out of the sport by 2020, and Moser brought it up, and I had to pay JT. So. This was a yeah, 2014 that, uh, pulp show, I believe. A 2014 pulp show. I said, I'm out of here. Do you think, though, like looking back at 2014, that you would have what you have in 2020? Like you, you're in a point right now where it would be dumb to leave. It would be. It kind of would be. It'd yes, be it, dumb to leave, man. Uh, it would be for sure. So, no, I, I did not. You're right. A good, good point. But I still paid JT that, that, that damn money. So, um, yeah, so hey, listen, big change for you. We'll get into the Transworld thing and the Swap Moto thing and all that. Big uh, big change for you, though. Uh, you and your your wife, Megan, you guys are from St. Louis. Uh, you represent St. Louis hard. And you moved back there from SoCal. And that's a curious decision. I was pretty shocked when I heard that. Um, why? And how's it going? Um, it was, it was always kind of my plan. Like... I knew even the day that I moved to California that I wasn't going to live there forever. I thought it was great. I, and, and my backstory is like kind of weird. I, I knew that I wanted to work at Transworld when I was 11 years old. And so from that time, I was like my whole life was built around I'm going to move to California at some point in time. Uh, I remember I went to like an ex-girlfriend's house when I started dating her. And her parents were like, yeah, so what are you going to do? And I'm 18. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to move to Corona, California. And I was just so dead set on moving to Corona, California. Yeah. Uh, 
And then I did it. I did it for eight years and I had everything that I ever wanted. But, you know, when you move out when you're 21 and life changes so fast and all of our families back here, like my wife has no siblings, so it's just her and her parents. And then I'm so close with my brother. My brother's practically my kid in some aspects. It was just, it got to a point where I'm like, I don't want to be away anymore. And I still want to do the job and everything, but I'll be honest, some of the fun of the job just went away because I missed these massive chunks of my life with my family. And so luckily Don was really cool about it and it came at a, at a good time. You know, we made the very best out of a bad situation because uh, Megan and I had discussed moving home like even three and four years ago mm-hmm. and it was it was impossible. Like it never could have happened under the trans world umbrella. But now that it's our deal now, it was totally feasible and as a company the size of Swap Moto Live, it makes perfect sense. I'm centrally located. I can drive to way more races. Cost of living, cost of travel is substantially lower. So just all around operating has made it pretty easy. And then I get to focus in on my specialty, which is race coverage. Don gets to take care of all the bike testing stuff. And then I just get to sit and watch the races over and over again. Like I told a friend the other night, she's like, yeah, so what do you do Monday through Thursday? Because I work at home. I'm like... I basically relive that same three-hour window of a Saturday night over and over and over again and just try to figure out every detail I can from that night and see how it's going to parlay into the next weekend. Mm -hmm. So it's good. It really allows me just to focus in on what I'm doing. But, like, you know, it's really – well, you you have an ad guy, Dahmer, right, at Swap Moto Live? Yeah. And Don's handling the motorcycle stuff, which you never involved in much anyways – um, as far as the motorcycle testing and stuff like that, that's always been Don's Don's end of things. Yeah. But, but man, it's a it's a tough. That's a tough deal. Like I, you know, you you made it work because it's Swamp Moto Live and everything. But, um, in some ways, you're framing it like it's almost better. But I don't know, man. Um, it's better and worse in some regards because yeah. like I have a I have a two hour window, like a two hour time limit jump on those guys because yeah. you know, when, when Megan wakes up and goes to work. It's like five o'clock in the morning in California. So then I can start working and get some stuff done. Mm-hmm. And then I stay up late and I get some things going there too. But then I don't have to like sit in traffic. I don't have to do all of these things. And then it completely eliminates like, hey, you know, maybe Wednesday you got to go do this bike test. Let Don go do that stuff. And then yeah. I handle way more than just the race coverage thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of have to like the thing that anybody in this industry knows, you have multiple jobs even if you just have one job title. And so I do help facilitate a lot of the ad buys, uh, a lot of the plans that we come up with, and that I have to execute to make sure that we go through with what we sold. Mm-hmm. So yep. I have a lot of stuff that I have to do. Being away from all of the hustle and bustle of California allows me to do all of that. So I can like pull analytics or pull data or pull whatever and get it pretty quickly instead of like, well, I'll get to it after I get done with this bike test or yeah. you know, this yeah, test yeah. track day or right. whatever. So pros and cons to everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, listen. Living in California, unless you make a lot of money, uh, living in California ain't all it's cracked up to be a lot of times, man. It is a lot yeah. of traffic. Real estate's crazy. Uh, you're driving everywhere. It, it's. I mean, before we moved into this house, wife and I had a serious conversation about do we want to go back to California because, yeah, the Pulp Show stuff and everything else would kill it and crush it there in California. But I, I couldn't deal with you know, this house, wanting to live in a nice house and it being double the cost and dealing, waiting in the mm-hmm. traffic and everything else. Like, I spent pretty much the whole month of January in California. Um, on New Year's Day, I got on a plane, flew to California for Anaheim 1, went to Anaheim 1 for that weekend, and then came back for round two, which was in St. Louis, obviously. But then after that, I pretty much moved to California for like another month. Yeah, yeah. And after being away for three months, 
I could never go back full time. I yeah. love California. I think it's great. The food is great. The weather is great. All my friends are there. Things are good there, but at the same time too, it's just, it's so difficult. Like yeah. if you're not from there, if you are not born and raised and you don't have family there, it's impossible to get your head above water. <laughs> yeah, probably. Right. Um, yeah. where were you when you heard Transworld was sold and going to be folded? So it's funny. It's, it's a weird deal because we had kind of knew for a while that we were going to be sold. Um, I don't know how many, like Don did that, came up and did the podcast with you last year after mm -hmm. everything happened. But as the year has gone on, we've learned more and more details of it. We always knew that we were for sale. We, uh, a funny story is when Megan and I got married in 2013, uh, we got married at the end of March, the one weekend off in the Supercross season that year, drove to California. I think I went to work for like a week and then I got an email on a Friday night, like, Hey, all hands on deck meeting on Monday morning. Well, we get into work and then we were sold from one company to another company that morning. And so when you work for a big business that's owned by a big investment bank, you're always for sale. You're always waiting for your next buyout, your next owner or whatever. So, and Don has said this too, he's had multiple people that owned Transworld in the 10, 15 years, 20 years he was there. Yeah. So it just gets kind of part of it. So about maybe June of 2018, we started hearing rumblings like, Hey, this is kind of going to go this way. You know, we're trying to find new buyers. This is what it is. Uh, November of 2018, um, AMI American media Inc, uh, showed the biggest interest in it. We'd had a couple other people that had tried to buy it and then it didn't go through. And then finally AMI came in and was the most, uh, solid buyer of, of the options that were there. So we had a meeting with those guys. Basically we were all told at one point, you're going to have a one-on-one, -on -one, like 20-minute meeting just to explain what your job title is and what you do within the company okay. to these AMI people. I'm like, okay, sick. I researched AMI. I really wasn't that uh, keen on what they were doing. Right. Uh, I think like the tabloid journalism stuff is, is just a joke. You know, I don't really have a lot of respect for a lot of the things they did. But you know, if they were going to come in and give us a lot of money and let us do what we needed to do, well, whatever. It's right. just a paycheck. Right. But – so that happens in like late November, early December. And then Megan and I drive home for Christmas that year. And, and on this drive home, I told her, I'm like, Hey, if 2019 doesn't like take off the way we thought I'm done, I'm going to go do something else. I'm not going to do this the way that I thought I was. I'm going to have uh -huh. to make a big career change because this company is not doing the things that we think it needs to do. Like me and Don and everybody that we worked with, Mike Emery, uh, you know, Forrest Hayashi, all of the guys that were there that are that didn't come as part of Trans or as Swap Moto Live, we were all killing it. But all of our hard work was keeping whole other divisions of this company alive, and it it just sucked. And so, middle of January, we get this email on a I want to say it was a Wednesday night, and it said, "Hey, um, you know, you guys need to be in a meeting at eleven o'clock on Thursday." Well the same exact time across the parking lot from us was a K one speedway, the go-kart track yep, yep. and fly racing was having the launch of the formula helmet there. Right. So my whole day was wrapped around going to this helmet launch. And then we get taken into this room at 11 o'clock and it's us and all the BMX guys who also had a very profitable title that was keeping the lights on for other brands. And, uh, they're like, Hey, so, you know, the AMI deal is done. It's bought. It will be announced in the next few hours. Unfortunately, AMI has no interest in these two titles. Uh, effective 1130, you guys are done. <laughs> and 
I was the first person. Don and Donnie Wilson, who's another part of trans or of uh, Swap Moto Live, they were already prepped for it. And so when we sat down in this meeting and I saw Don's face, I'm like, we're fucking Yeah, screwed. yeah, we're like, done. It's over. Right. And so I like looked at Don and I could see that something was wrong, but he didn't want to tell me anything was wrong. And Don is one of my best friends. So like he's told me everything. I've told him everything in my life of, of what's going on. So he kind of had to play the game a bit and couldn't let off a sign of panic. And then when they told us that, I'm like, so all of, seriously, like I kind of let out the first audible like groan a bit. And uh, yeah, you basically just sat there and get told that your life's work is pretty much getting taken away from you. And, and it was hard. Uh, I had known though, that something was amiss. So everybody kind of jokes about, I have these like one pair of red doc Martin boots that I wear all the time. Uh-huh. And I'd been wanting to buy these boots for like a year. Yeah. And so the week before the whole firing thing happens, I'm about to buy the boots and Megan's like, do you want to get them? And I'm like, I do, but I think we need to save this money for something else. Like, I think something's going to happen. <laughs> and the day after I was going to buy them is the day we get fired. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm so glad I didn't do that. I knew this was going to happen. I like when I went out to the truck that morning to drive to work, I'm like, yeah, we're getting fired today. This is the last day I'm going to make this, this ride. This in. meeting didn't seem right, huh? This yeah. meeting didn't seem right. And as we're kind of getting led into, you know, the firing line in this one room, they took like 80 other employees into another room and just clipped them there on the spot. And they got a way worse deal than we did. Oh really? The deal. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, like the surf guys what, or whatever, whatever other magazine, other divisions. Yeah, other yeah. magazines right. and and or other you know um, parts of a company yeah. that AMI already had covered. Yeah. So yeah. it was just a terrible day, you know. And then a lot of people have said this story, like have told us this, but you know the whole moto industry is twenty five yards away from us, watching me and Don and everybody else carry our whole offices out in boxes to our trucks. Yeah. You know, and and word immediately spread. And the other thing is the surf industry, if you're not in the surf industry, uh, that is a very gossipy, clicky little deal. Okay. And so as soon as something went wrong, the surf industry was the first ones to know that something happened. Yeah. So before Don and I are even out of this meeting, there's web indus- there's like um, message boards in the surf industry talking about how Transworld and all these other companies are done. Right. And so, so everybody knew right away. So AMI, and, and they put out the National Enquirer, among other stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. They, that why do they buy the company that you know? So, of? Like, what do they want out of it to fo- to buy it and then fold everything? So, it's kind of a two uh, layer issue. Um, the company that owned us, which was the Enthusiast Network, wanted to launch this like large scale millennial uh, kind of project. So where you know these people that go camping and live in like little homes or vans or whatever, and mm-hmm. you know they go to Tahoe and then they go to Bali or whatever these things that like these unrealistic expectations for Instagram, um, they launched this whole media site around that and they called it, uh, ASN adventure sports network. Okay. And that was going to be the catch all for all of our content was going to feed into that. So all these like big mountain bike trips or surf trips or snowboarding trips, all of that content was going to funnel into there. And they had pretty good connections with like, you know, the Burtons and the Mm -hmm. billabongs and the DCs of the world. And so, as they're trying to build this thing up, that was going to be what 10 was going to sell to AMI. This was going to be the big deal. So they're going to sell this to AMI as part of the whole company. And at the same time, AMI is trying to get Men's Journal, which is one of their biggest properties, into the hands of 
those high-end action sport oh, okay. uh, brands, yeah, yeah. like yep. specialized yep. in all those brands. So this was basically like a good idea for both of them to go through. But as everybody's probably found out by now, 10 has done pretty bad. Um, they just shuttered 19 of their 21 legacy print titles a couple months ago. So magazines like Truckin' and Lowrider, they're gone. So even if they would have taken Transworld Motocross and moved it into that division, yeah. our demise was inevitable because the company was so mismanaged. And then for AMI, as all of this stuff is happening, and like not to get political here because everybody knows my politics thing, they're getting investigated by the FBI for catch-and-kill stories yeah. that they've bought in defense of other politicians. And then every time that we tried to buy Transworld after that, they got shut down. So the week after Transworld gets shut down, David Pecker, who's the CEO and like main guy at yeah. AMI. Google him, everybody. To, Google him. Yeah. Yeah. He starts getting investigated by the FBI. So all of the political or all of the bureaucratic lawyer issues within AMI all get turned to protect them against the federal government and away from us trying to buy this thing. Yeah. So in a roundabout way, ASN now is shut down. Uh, that project never took off. <laughs> it never Men's worked. Journal is still doing what it's doing, and it's just kind of whatever. Yeah. Um, and the real heartbreak was like a couple weeks ago, you know, uh, there were a couple brands that, that still had stuff that was there, and, and you can't find anything that like me and Don or Emery or Brendan Lutz, all these guys that work to Transworld, it's yeah. all wiped away. Yeah. Like the internet, that's the one thing that I've told people, the internet doesn't live forever. You know, you have to really know what you're putting out there because, and you've even seen this, there's stories that are on Pulp MX that when you do a server change, they yeah. just disappear. They're gone. Yeah. Yeah. We gone. Ran, yeah. We ran never into find that. them. Yep. I wrote a, I wrote a really funny Ricky Carmichael versus Ross Peterson story on Racer X a long time ago. It was great. It got me a lot of hate mail mm -hmm. because people didn't realize my tongue was firmly in my cheek. And I want to find that story badly and I can't find it. And I've Googled it and yeah. I've looked and I searched and I, I can't find it. So it's gone. Um, there's yep. a thing that like Don and I have used. It's uh, called Wayback, waybackmachine.com. Mm -hmm. And I found this thing out. And it's basically like a time capsule of things that are on the, on the internet. But it's very clunky and it's only so open and so easy to use. Right. So you might not get everything. Like right. photos won't be there, but you could get quotes or you could get text or something. But that's kind of the hard thing is there, there are so many stories that I was so proud of doing yeah. that are gone. And yeah. I'll never see them again. Yeah, no, and then, absolutely. Yeah, so it's just, that was kind of, that's kind of been the hardest part is there's a bunch of stuff that I wish I had that I never have now. So Don, Don's, you know, a legendary figure in motocross media, started out, you know, just like Davey back in the day in Cycle News and, and, and MX mm -hmm. Racer and Dirt Rider and started Transworld and everything else. So, I mean, I guess, right, I mean, leaving that parking lot carrying the office things, he's like, we're, we're going to keep going. We're going to do this website. We're going to, I mean, he'd already been formulating plans, I guess, right? Um, it's weird because he and I kind of discussed that, but then I never really realized until maybe a couple weeks ago when he and I were together, he wasn't very confident of how this was going to go. Um, he didn't know, like, do I want to keep doing this? Do I want to just go run Enzo with Ross? Like, what do I want to do? And I was lucky because I, I've been headhunted a little bit. I've had other job offers by other media companies and other brands within the industry. So as soon as the word got out, like I had other offers, but I was in my head, I'm like, you know, I want to be with Don. He's gotten me this far. He's, you know, the person that's made me who I am in a lot of ways. I have to see this through with him. And once he decides what he wants to do, then I'll decide what I want to do. Because, you know, I got to kind of follow his lead a bit. And so a couple days went by. I started uh, 
we went to San Diego Supercross, me, him, Casey Davis, and Dominic Gayton, and just kind of started formulating the plan of attack. And, and so many people within the industry, you included, you know, it said, like, you guys can't go away. You'll find something. You'll figure something out. And within about two weeks, we had enough people that had committed to, like, yeah, we'll advertise with you. Like, we'll pull the funding mm-hmm. that we had allotted for Transworld for this year, and we'll just move it to this. And it became pretty apparent, like, yeah, we have to go about it this way. Right. Um, yeah, we, you know, we've tried very hard to buy Transworld back. There's no shortage of attempts. There's been we've given them every ballpark figure, every asking price, every everything, and we've just been stonewalled. And it's to the point now where we're just like, well, it's dead. It's yeah. done. Yeah. The way that they the way that they handled Transworld with clipping everything the way they did, invoicing so many industry companies in so many um, not very good ways, and then the way that subscriptions were handled to readers. It's left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. So for Don and I, I'm like, hey, man, this thing is done, done. Yeah, if we even got yeah. it back now, yeah, like, exactly. it's, a pretty, it's a pretty hurt property. Yep. So we just have to build with what we have. Yeah. Um, yeah, shit, Anton, I sent you to a race for Pulp Mix when you were in you that did. gray you area. Sent me, <laughs> yeah, you sent me to Atlanta, and like, I'll tell you what, that was that was the really like eye-opening moment where I'm like, I have to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> like I have to be at this. I, this is what I enjoy more than anything. Right. And, uh, that's why I'm so excited to go back this weekend because I, it's just now that we're one year on, like there's so much stuff right. where I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm into it. This is the shit. I have to do this. Um, what's better about swap moto live versus trans world. And what's worse, uh, basically independent, small website, uh, versus magazine conglomerate, big corporation. What's better? What's worse? Uh, what's better is we had a couple guys that were uh, over Don and I. So like, even though Don and I, you know, could call Don called the ultimate shots for yep. the for the title as a whole. I could pretty much run the website how I wanted at Transworld. Yep, that was my uh, job title was online editor. But we still had a couple people to answer to, and I'll be like a hundred percent frank. Uh, they don't know what the hell they were talking about sometimes. Yeah, yeah. They had like unrealistic quotas. Uh, the plan from one week to another would change so drastically, or we would be so like far off the back end of yep. what was like cutting edge technology mm-hmm. that you couldn't do anything. Like by the time we got to it, it was too late. Or like we wanted to do, we wanted to sell t-shirts or something for so long. And they're like, no, no, we're not going to sell t-shirts. We're going to sell uh, notebooks for kids in schools that are replicas of your magazine covers. Not realizing, like, okay, if you do that, you have to get the athlete to sign, like, a waiver. Yeah. You have to get the manufacturer to sign a waiver, all the gear companies to sign a waiver, because you're going to profit off of them. Right. So all of this dumb stuff that they never took into account, just kind of, we would waste our time doing. Uh-huh. So that's good to get away from that now, because it's such a, it's just a focus. Like, hey, man, just make content, make good content. Don't have to worry about any other kind of like goofball ideas. You can pivot, you can pivot, you know, anytime, yeah. any way you like, want. It's pretty, yeah. it's yeah. pretty easy and there's not a lot of resistance. Uh, the only thing I wish we had was you're kind of, like I said, a one man show in a lot of ways. So where I used to have people that would pull data or, you know, would help out with like some video assets or get us like a foot in the door at some big like social media houses. I don't really have that right now. And so I'm kind of having to reestablish a lot of relationships mm-hmm. or take on a lot more yeah. responsibility that I didn't used to do, which is good, though, because at 29 years old, this is a perfect opportunity to get to know everything and everyone. Yeah. 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 Good point. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's uh, it's a big deal for sure. Um, 
Lots of opinions on print either way. I've always thought that print will survive, but only a few, you know, only the mm-hmm. elite. Um, you know, but definitely we're changing as a society. We're, we're not – nobody's selling magazines like they used to, you know. But So I, I might say that it them folding it might have been the best thing. F- it was going to happen sooner or later, to, in my opinion, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, these ma- massive um, publishing companies. So I don't yeah. know. Like we were still twelve times, and we were the only twelve time title right. in the in the building. Yep. And there was no indication of why we were ever going to stop being twelve time. Now they had pitched us a couple times, like, "Hey, you could go six times, or you could go nine issues a year, or something." But when Dirt Rider did that, it it was it was the beginning of the end for Dirt Rider. Right. Like as soon as Dirt Riders cut print in a couple ways, or cut their distribution and their circulation frequency, it was over. People in the industry stopped supporting it. You could see that the size of the book went down yep. and Don and I would like go up and tell them like, Hey, if you do this, like you basically just shot us in the foot. It's over if we have to do this. Right. And, um, so we, we were really steadfast in like, Hey, we have to say 12 times, not like, yeah, it might be a little bit busier mm-hmm. of a, a production schedule. Cause the production schedule for a print magazine is gnarly. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's going to be expensive and all these things, but you have to do these things right now to keep right. the lights on. If you show one sign of weakness, the whole industry is going to back away. Okay. And so, yeah, so it was kind of good and bad. And I do unfortunately think that print is just going to get clipped in a lot of ways uh, one way or another, which sucks because like my whole life was print. Oh, you know, I still have too. every, yeah. I still have every racer X and every trans world and every motocross action uh, from the time I was like eight years old at my dad's house, you know, so I have all this stuff and I want to keep it forever. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, man, this stuff, it, uh, it's not going to be around much longer. You know who really paid the price for Transworld shutting the doors? Freestyle guys. Yeah. Right? Like you guys yeah. were still doing that. You were still into the scene, still collecting money from those companies. And, and the guys were stoked to have you. I'm sure the riders were because uh, mm-hmm. no one else is really doing it. So, And that was the cool thing, too, is like. You could pretty much go wherever you wanted with Transworld. Like there was no like, yeah. oh man, you've talked shit on us, or we're not really yeah. welcoming you, or anything like that. Like we never came off as like, well, these people are kooks, yeah. and you shouldn't give them attention. Some of the guys that are in freestyle are some of the gnarliest people I've ever met, and some of the nicest guys I've ever met. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the metal militia guys, like your Todd Potters of the world, Jeff Cargola. When I got to meet him, the few times I did, he was amazing. You know. There are so many dudes that are within that scene. Twitch, like I know Twitch comes off like a, a hard ass to a lot of people. Jeremy is a very nice guy. So there are so many people that you get into that that circle and you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, dude, these guys are just as into it as racers are. They just go about yeah. it in a different way. Yeah, the only time I have an interaction with those guys is like the overseas stuff when we're all eating after dinner or whatever. You know what I mean? They're always cool. And they're awesome. They're always cool. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so growing up in St. Louis, uh, just – into moto your whole life your dad had a an auto store what did your dad have um uh well like a that's, car that's lot where it gets or something tricky. yeah we kind of have everything okay so that's that's kind of the thing and like people have always heard like oh yeah anton's like he thinks he's hood or whatever i grew up in like this very very terrible area um from where my great-grandparents immigrated to but where i lived at down there we had a feed store like a pet food supply store and then we had a car lot mm-hmm. and then my dad still has a car lot down there, but we've moved other parts of the business to other cities, like nicer areas in the air, in this Midwest region. Mm-hmm. And so we're all good there, but like, we're just a racing family. Uh, my grandpa, like my dad's dad raced, 
Uh, my dad's little brother raced. All of my uncles and my cousins raced. My yep. dad didn't race, but he was just into motorcycles. Okay. And yep. so I've been like racing obsessed since I was a little kid because I really couldn't go outside. Like I couldn't go outside and play because I'd either get hit by a car or like something would happen in this area. So my mom and dad would just kind of put me in the house and I would watch the same racing like <laughs> videos. Like there's this one yeah. racing series called Crash Impact that was a VHS series. Uh-huh. I would watch that. Like I wore those tapes out as like three and four and five years old. And like my first love in racing was World of Outlaws sprint cars. So like I could tell you everything about every World of Outlaws driver as a little kid. My mom and dad would take me to the races and like put me in the middle of them so I could like stat off like who was in what car that year or who was doing what. (laughs) And so I wanted to be a go-kart racer because that's what my uncle did. And my dad's like, look, I don't know go-karts. I'm not going to do this. Like it just seems like a big mess. He's like, but I'll buy you a Z50. And so we moved away from the, the area that we grew up in to this like nice rural area that's like 45 minutes away. And I had a track in my front yard. I rode every single day. I had this Z50 and an XR80 and then a CR85 as I got older. And I rode moto every single day. And I had every magazine and I had like everything, you know, pretty much anything I wanted to like just stay involved in racing they gave me. I started racing when I was like 11 race for like seven or eight years, mm-hmm. but I had a couple really bad injuries. Like oh. I was almost paralyzed when I was 17. Oh geez. And yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Um, but I had hit my head a bunch and then I had this really bad back injury and we were driving home from a race and my dad's like, look, if you get seriously hurt and like, I have to put you in like an assisted living home. He's like, I don't know how I'm going to continue. He's like, I don't want to be responsible for my kid getting seriously hurt. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I'm going to live with that. So you need to stop for a bit. And it was really hard because all I ever wanted to do was be a racer, even if I yeah. sucked, Yep. you know? And so uh, we had to take some time away. And as we took time away is when I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to really try to put my head down and be a media guy or a gear guy or something. Something in, so the, in the industry, yeah. I had to do something in the industry, yeah. We're, so, so for me, like, I, I'm, I grew up racing and riding, you know, a lot and was pretty serious at it at times, but... I always kept my fandom. Like I read every magazine every month. I would bicycle to Seven Eleven and wait for the magazines to come in. I knew they came in on Wednesdays, and I would see them in the in the plastic bins and ask the Seven Eleven guys to please see if there's a new motocross action there, and like watch all the videos I could. Although Canada, we didn't have great coverage. Um, you know, went to went went to everything I could, and so I think Moto Media. I was always smart about Moto Media and always was passionate about the Moto Media and the guys riding, testing the bikes and the guys writing the articles, as well as, of course, the riders. Were you mm-hmm. like that, too? Were you into that, too? Oh, yeah. 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 See, like, I would watch every Saturday, I would watch the weeks before tape delay on, like, ESPN2. So I would watch all that stuff. So I, like, knew who Davey Coombs was and I knew who Art Ekman was and I knew right. all these guys because you saw them on TV. And then with the magazines, like, Eric Johnson, I thought, was, like, you know, awesome as a little kid. I thought Eric and to know Eric now is awesome too, because this is a guy that I grew up reading and he has that same, you know, Midwest kind of fought my way into it, Uh you know, career path. I thought that like, uh, Brozick, when Brozick wrote for Racer X, I thought that was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Brozick Brozick is the legend. He's a legend. (laughs) I I think that I read a lot of articles as like 10, 11, 12 years old that my parents were like, what the hell is he reading? Right. You know? Right. But like, it's funny because, a couple years ago, somebody was like, Rojay, 
and like the name Roger like peaked in my head and I went back. I'm like, oh my God, Roger is Roger Larson. Like, oh yeah, get, yeah, you didn't know that, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I did, but I didn't put two and two together until years ago. Right. And I was right. like, oh my God. Yeah, that's Roger. So Roge. like all right. of these dudes that I had heard about, I had finally seen. And I knew Don and I knew Lutz. I knew all of these guys from reading all their stuff. So yeah. I was always pretty well into that. But the thing about it was like, dude, they made Moto in that era, like the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh -huh. How could you not want to be a part of that? Like, how could you not want to be with like Little D and Hammer at a party with like spiked up faux hawk hair and right. like jet black hair? Or, like, uh, how could you? You know who was around too with Beaks? Beaks was involved. Dude, yeah, Beaks, Beaks was Beaks deep in the there. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, Beaks, I'll tell you what, like, Beaks was one of those guys that I was like, if I could get a conversation with Beaks when I was 20 years old, would have changed my whole outlook <laughs> on everything. You know? Yeah. And so, like, yeah. All of the stuff, I saw all of these personalities that were in moto that were away from racing, like not just the McGraths and the Emigs and the Carmichaels yeah. and Pastranas and stuff. I saw all the guys that made stuff happen, and I'm like, dude, that's the shit. Like, how do you not want to go to a different race in a different city every weekend and right. just have fun it's with your friends? Kind of what I thought, too. I, I was like, I went into it as a mechanic end of things, but I'm like, this is amazing to travel the U.S., you know, from Canada, so travel another country to these big cities and and you know watch the races from the floor like i just like this is amazing this would be the greatest job ever you know <laughs> yeah if i could do this and ever. like i didn't want i didn't even want the free stuff like i don't want gear i didn't want any of that i just wanted to go to the races right you know i right. just want to see this stuff for myself and uh yeah i mean it's it's awesome it, it's the greatest thing in the world then like you know there have been some times and stuff where i'm like eh, it's kind of weird and there's some other people when you talk to them and you explain like yeah for 29 weekends plus some for every year I'm gone, but it's awesome. Like, how would you not want to do that? How would you not want to see everything you could and get paid for it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you, how did you teach yourself photography? Uh, I didn't actually teach myself photography. I was terrible at it. Uh, I, the reason that Don even hired me in the first place is that I knew how to write before I knew how to shoot photos. Mm -hmm. So, um, I wrote Don and he loves telling the story and he, like embellishes a few details personally that like oh, that's not, that, doesn't sound, that doesn't sound like a dawn i know yeah yeah and he makes me like come off like even nerdier than i am and mind you i'm a nerd like i, I am listen a dork, dude. i met you you introduced yourself to me in at st louis of course a long time ago you know that you and i had lunch at the toronto supercross with terry boyd no yeah, we had lunch at the Toronto uh, Toronto Airport on Sunday after the 09 Toronto Supercross at the TGI Fridays in the like, because you know how the Toronto Airport is sectioned yeah. off if you're flying to the US, yeah. and we were stuck on that side. I had lunch with you, and I just annoyed you for like 45 minutes in 09. Mm -hmm. So I would have been a parts unlimited, or I would have been Racer X guy then at that point. I wouldn't have. Yeah, been, yeah, yep. Um, and I had been reading you, and you were like really coming into like the Mathis of everybody knows now and i'm like man this guy's cool like he's kind of coming from nowhere but he's doing it but i knew you were you know a mechanic in the past and yeah. nick and all these things that you had done so like how i got all this stuff going um, so you wrote a letter to don i wrote a letter to don and i was i sent him this email and i'm like look dude i know i'm not fast i know i'm not good i know i'm not a test writer i'm not asking <laughs> you for any of that stuff just tell me how i can get a job in this sport and I'll do whatever you whatever you need me to do. I know a lot of people say that, but like I yeah. have to make this part of my life. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I I even said I remember like one of the lines I wrote. I was like, I know Roger DeCoster is not watching me 
at my local track. Like I've put that fantasy aside. I know this is true. And he's like, he never replied. He didn't reply to me for like two weeks. And I was like, what the fuck? Like this sucks. Yeah. So I got lucky though, that the indie trade show was kind of in its last like grasping years Uh in 2009. And Indianapolis is only like two and a half, three hours from St. Louis. So I worked at the mall. I folded shirts at like Abercrombie kids. And so, and I had already graduated high school and all that stuff by then. So I went to work one day and I'm like, Hey, indie trade show's coming up. I need to take this weekend off. And I told my parents, like, I need to take this weekend and just drive to Indianapolis by myself and get in front of as many people as I can at this trade show. I know Don is going to be there. I need to get in front of Don. And so I made these like terrible business cards with like my phone number and my email. <laughs> on it. And I made this like portfolio that like explained what I did. Prestige and, like, worldwide. Prestige worldwide. A hundred percent, dude, but even worse. And then I shot these like terrible photos of my brother riding that track in our front yard. Uh-huh. Right. And then I had shot like a couple other things and like, I, I bought like a new shirt at Abercrombie and a new jacket. I was like, I was kidding. Like, I'm going to go take over the world. This yeah. Weekend. And within like two hours of being there, I ran into Don. And I mean, when you're face to face with this kid that's been harassing you for a few weeks, you kind of can't say no to him. Yeah. And he's just like, uh, okay, well, guess what? You can come back. And the way he loves telling the story, which okay. is not very far off the truth. Okay. I like ran up to him, like clutching this like spiral bound portfolio, Uh but I wasn't like up to my chest. It was in this like backpack and I'm just like fucking shaking, like freaking out. (laughs) And I hand it to him and like, I hand it to him. It's a disaster, but he's like, you know what? Come write my race report for me at the Indianapolis Supercross in like two or three weeks. I'll give you a press pass and we'll see what goes on from there. Okay. But he's like, you don't need to be a gear guy. You don't need to be a goggle guy. He's like, you can actually write. I saw your email. I know what you're capable of. Yeah. Let me teach you what to do. Don't just be another goofball that thinks he's going to do photos and videos and thinks that like that's going to set the world apart because everybody's doing that now. And it only like over the next four and five years, it only became more prominent. Everybody was doing videos and photos, yeah, it's, but it's, no one knows how to write. Hey, it's kind of like, like podcasts now. Like anyone, a hundred percent, anyone can, can have a podcast. Anyone can have a podcast. You just have to have an opinion and and watch racing. But can you craft a story? Can you grab an interview? Can you go into a truck and talk to somebody? Can you can you piece together a long form? Like it's all of this stuff, right? Like yeah, that's that's the skills of, of, of the sport. And, 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 and like Don said, like everyone is doing videos and, and, and putting some music to them and big deal. Like, yeah, you know, so, so he's right. And because like I had read everybody's everything, like I, dude, I, I'll be a hundred percent straight up. I almost didn't graduate high school. Like my, I could, I tested within the top two percentile of my like whole school mm-hmm. and like all of the state and everything. Yeah. But I just wouldn't do the work. I hated the work. I thought the work was stupid. So they put me in like a remedial English class when I was a senior that basically was like, look, you're going to learn how to fill out forms when you work at the factory, like the steel mill down the street. Like you need to learn how to fill out these OSHA forms and all this stuff because this is all you're ever going to do. And so I would fill out the forms like I was doing expense reports to Don or to Davey or something like that. Like everything I did was to try to get like into moto. And so, uh, I had read everybody's, all the magazines and all that stuff. So I knew how everybody wanted stuff written and editorialized and everything. And like, there were a lot of learning bumps like along the way, like Don taught me a lot and he fired me at one point. You know, oh, he did? I, I, yeah. I kind of said something I shouldn't have said. I said, well, Bart, it was uh, Atlanta, Atlanta, 2010. Okay. And like 
like Barsha at his absolute gnarliest, just like cleaning dudes out <laughs> everywhere. So he cleans somebody out and like takes over the lead and then goes down into the next turn and like tucks the front end and crashes. And like in the race report, I wrote karma got Barsha like a couple laps later and Don just went through the roof. He's like, you can't say that. Like you idiot. You cannot say I that. So I would have, I would have said that. Yeah, dude. I didn't know you couldn't say that. Nobody had ever told me I couldn't say that. But I would you know? have said that. You can say that. What are you talking about, Don? Come on. So he clipped me, and he was pissed at me. And we didn't talk for, like, probably four or five months. And uh, I was just this – I was back in Illinois, just, like, completely <laughs> severed from the California motocross lifeline. Yeah. Yeah. And then he called me back. Um, Come on. You can say that. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Especially Barsha back then. Just running over dudes. Just Destroying dudes, dude. Yeah. Destroying. Like, like, like but he's lapping like you. One... Like he laps you and he takes out your front tire. <laughs> but like looking back on like Michael in like 2009, 2010, uh-huh. I was kind of one of those dudes where he was a little bit of a, a hazard to have on the staff because I thought like, oh man, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Like I, I, I got this press pass. Everybody wants like I can talk to whoever. And so I did make a lot of mistakes, like in those first few years, that I totally should not have made. Right, you were, um, you were a loose cannon. I've made a living making it being a loose cannon. Don't worry about it, Anton. You're fine. But I was a I was a 19 year old loose cannon. Yeah, maybe there's a bit a bit of a difference. It's a little bit different, um, and I was a hug and I was a hugger too. Yeah, which also was not very well uh, recepted at the time. Um, who which which riders or teams did you were you scared of? Uh. Back then. I kind of wasn't scared of anybody, though. That was the problem. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I thought, like, hey, everything was good. Uh, RV scared the hell out of me forever. Yeah. And that was just because Ryan was so mean. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. So I kind of was distant from him, and I didn't really care. Uh, I hit it off with Blake Wharton pretty quick, but I think everybody does. Yeah, yeah. Um, Izzy was cool. I thought, I like, me and Nico are about the same age and everything, and I had followed his whole amateur career. So, like, we right. would just talk, like, you know, 20 year olds, yeah, you know, yeah. everything was cool. Like yeah. I didn't party with yeah. them or anything, but yeah. like at the track, like we would just talk, you know? So there were a lot of guys that I was able to like establish a relationship with pretty quick. And they were like, Oh, okay. He's not a kook. Like, yeah. He's whatever. He's just, he's just, he's Michael. And then it turned into he's Anton. And now here we are 10 years later and everybody just knows right. what I am. Scarves and macaroni and cheese pizza. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I remember, I remember meeting you or you introducing yourself to me at St. Louis and, and you said you want to be in the media game or whatever. But then, like, you started showing up in more races. And I'm like, what is this guy doing here? And I'm like, oh, like, oh, he must have a job. Like, he, like what's he doing here? So, uh, eventually, that's how it works. Like, you kind of keep going to the races and people start get you start getting some respect because you're at all the races, you know? Um, and I think people, the teams and riders are the same way. Where it's like, okay, this guy is going to be here. I have to deal with this guy. So, I may as well, may as well talk to him, you know? So Yeah. And, like, I would do... Like, I honestly probably did the thing that you're not supposed to do, but you kind of have to do. Like, I worked for free for the first, like, year. You know, I did an intern, like, a quote-unquote internship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was just to, to say that I was there. But, like, I was published in the magazine, like, doing, you know, published interviews that were in print within the first six months of me working. How, how cool you know? was that, seeing your name in, in print? It was unreal. Like, it's still unbelievable to think that I did that <laughs> at that young of an age because yeah. all these people that I was around were just like, yeah, so you do what now? And I'm yeah. like, oh, no, dude, this is awesome. Right. I I even got kicked out of college because, like, I went on academic probation. And uh-huh. they clipped me. And they said, I could, like, I'm a terrible student. <laughs> and uh, I came back and I was, they're like, you know, why, why did you not come to school for this whole quarter? And, like, the thing I didn't really want to tell anybody, I was, like, 
I was super depressed. I like went through this really dark period of my life for a while. And this is like why getting into trans world was so important. If, if Don doesn't pick me up in 2009, like, I don't know what I'm doing now. You know what I mean? I was going to be a school teacher or something. And yeah. I was fucking miserable, dude. Like, <laughs> like I wrote that email to Don at like two o'clock in the morning. Cause I like was a complete insomnia yeah. for like a year. Right. And You're so jeez, like, oh, dude, it was terrible. Like it was terrible. And so, uh, I had this printed issue of like me doing this like massive gnarly interview in, in, in the magazine. And I had to go before the school board at the local college and be like, yeah, this is what I've been doing the last like six months. Oh really? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, Oh yeah. I mean, that's great and all, but like, what is this? Like, is this like a local newspaper? I'm like, no, this is like a globally like produced magazine that gets like X amount of, you know, subscribers and does this and this. And they're like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, okay, so can I join your journalism program? And they're like, no. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I'm already a journalist. Like, yeah, what do you want? Yeah. And they're like, nope, can't do it. And it was at that point that I'm like, well, I'm not going to go to school anymore. Then. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I'm, 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 I'm over this. Um, yeah. yeah, I remember, I mean, I'm such a fan of magazines. Like as a mechanic, I got into MXA and I was like, oh my God, I'm in MXA. Like, you know, like this is the magazine I grew up reading. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and then as a media guy, I got into Racer X Canada, which was cool, but not the coolest thing because it was a bunch of Canadian guys and, you know, wasn't true Racer X. But then getting into Racer X, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm running a feature story in there, you know. Uh, one of my first features in there was uh, a shadow Tim Ferry for a weekend at the U.S. Open as his man friend, right? Um, I remember you as, like, peak man friend, too, and it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was all about it. Um, and then I got the back page of Cycle News when it was still Cycle News in print. And that was where Henry Henry Ray Henry Ray Ab- mm-hmm. Abrams had and Davey wrote there and like R- Kit Palmer like really hard hitting columns about either road racing or moto or whatever it was each week and I got the back page of Cycling News early on. Uh, kid had asked me about it. I'm like holy shit this is so cool like this is stuff that I grew up reading and now I'm writing there you know so uh, for me that was a really cool moment to see that your name there and now it's like no big deal but I do remember feeling like wow this is really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is like the fact that the the, the first couple of times, like, okay, first ever race report I do is Indy Supercross 2009. And I publish, I send it to Bio Alucatan, who was like an associate editor at Transworld at the time, and just send it into him. It's all good. Now, mind you, this is the first ever race report I've ever done. I have zero guidance. Right. right. And uh, the next day it's published on the website and I send the link to my mom. I'm like, hey, can you give this a read? Like, this is what I did this weekend. And she called me like 20 minutes later and she's like, so like, did you tell this bio guy like what you saw and he wrote it? I'm like, no. And she's like, well, who wrote that? I'm like, I wrote that. And she's like, you didn't write that. I'm like, yeah, Jenny, I, I wrote that. Like, I, that's yeah. all me. Every yeah. word of that is me. Yeah. And she like started crying and she's <laughs> like, I, I didn't think that like, she's like, I knew you could do this, but I didn't really think like it would be like this. And I'm like, right. well, I mean, what, what else is it supposed to be? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then. I sent it to like an English teacher I had as a kid. I'm like, Hey, can you tell me if this is like on the right path? Like it's too late to change anything now, but can you tell me if this is on the right path? And she's like, yeah, could you have just done this in my class for the last two years? And we would not have had every like parent teacher conference. And yeah, every, like, we wouldn't yep. have any issues. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, sorry. Yeah. My, my bad. You're like, you, bad. you, you weren't talking about motocross racing. So I, I couldn't do she it. She tried. I'll give her credit. Right. She tried really hard because she tried to talk about like bands that I was into. And I'm just like, lady, I don't know how to like 
dissect a sentence, like the diagramming sentences, like the nouns and the verbs and all that. I don't know how to do that. Just let me write the stuff. And I right. can tell you, I can make it pretty. I just yeah. can't tell you how it's pretty. And then along the way, you start shooting a lot of photos and, and, and really picking up the photo game, uh-huh. I guess, right? And learning more about that. Don's helping with that, obviously. So Yeah. yeah. That was out of necessity in 2011. Yeah. Right. Like when I moved, he gave me a camera and he's like, here are some base settings. And he goes, go on from there and learn. He's like, you can't really do anything bad. You'll figure out a style. Yeah. And um, I'll be honest, I, I could be... Garth, Mylan, and Don are, are really the three main photographers that I grew up like looking at. And then, like, I love Cudby photos. Um, I think that Cudby stuff is just unbelievable. And Simon in the late '90s and early 2000s, he captured that vibe of like why I wanted to go to the races so bad uh-huh. because you saw the little stuff in the pits and the bikes and you know stadiums empty, completely empty at the daytime practices, or like those little like light pockets that are in Angel Stadium at like late in the afternoon or whatever. And once I got a camera, I'm like, Oh shit, this isn't that hard. Like yeah. I just need to shoot this. And yeah. I'm still getting like, obviously I'm still nowhere near like the Mike Emery or the Garth or the Ryan Swanberg or yeah. Rich Shepard level. Like I'm not there yet, but I right. feel like, well, Hey man, I see what I like. I like what I see. This is what I get. Like mm-hmm. hope everybody else thinks it's cool. And if they don't, I really don't care. Cause I saw it for myself. Right. Right. Uh, fly racing racer X podcast with Michael Antonovich, uh, presented by the folks at Maxis and of course, rental rental.com for more information on that. Also race tech guys, uh, pulp 20 is the code to save at race tech. Uh, the FXR chaparral guys are using race tech. Uh, Mike Malcolm Stewart won Montreal on race tech. Um, Alex Ray's using race tech. A lot of guys using Race Tech. Kate Glayson's got some Race Tech stuff in his bike. So Racetech.com, they're doing motors now as well and suspension. Pulp 20 is the code to save on that. those guys, and we appreciate them coming on the board. So uh, Fly Racing, Racer X podcast with uh, Anton. Um, what's the biggest trouble you ever got from Don? Um, we almost got in a fist fight in the office one time. <laughs> Over? Like straight up. Um, I, we had this meeting that we had to go to. And it was like mostly important that I went to this meeting, but like Don needed to go to it too, but it wasn't like highly important that he went. But like, I also had a bunch of stuff that I was trying to work on for the website that was like coming up at the same time. I'm like, Hey Don, I need to go to this meeting. Like I got to go do this. And he's like, no, no, you need to sit down and get this done before you go do that. I'm like, well, it's kind of one hand or the other. Like if I don't go to this meeting, I'm going to get in trouble from this other department. But if I go, you're going to get mad at me. And it just kind of like, we already didn't really uh, get along. Like when I moved to California and everything like that, Don and I were nowhere near as close as we are now. Right. Um, There was a lot of like feeling each other out and learning like, Hey, this is how Anton is. Like, this is how this young kid is that Mm -hmm. just moved across the country and lives by himself. And this is how Don is, who's responsible for all of this stuff and has a family and has done everything. Like these two people didn't have any kind of idea what the other one wanted. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we just kind of came to a head and I told him, I'm like, Hey, I have to go to this meeting. And he's like, if you go to this meeting, you're fired. And I'm like, uh, and he, he had said some things to me. Like, honestly, I don't remember exactly what was said now, Mm -hmm. but I was like, you know, you can't, you can't talk to me like that. And he goes, I don't care. He goes, I'll, I'll beat you up as your friend, not your boss. And I'm like, well then let's do it. (laughs) And like all of our coworkers were sitting around us. And this is like one of the things that like really gets me is that nobody else said anything. They just let us go at it. And then like two days later, uh, I called HR and I was like, Hey, like 
you can fire me. I don't give a shit, but this is not going to fly. Like, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> and so we had a big meeting and like me and Don like had to like really get into it in yeah. front of our bosses. Yeah, and yeah. then after that, like we're best friends. Like once he saw that I'm not going to take shit, yeah. then he yeah. really was like, oh, okay, okay. Right. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And you almost like you went through the fire with him a little bit, right? Yeah. Like there have been some gnarly times between Don and I, but at the same time too, like there have been some gnarly times between my, like my dad and I, and I still love my dad, obviously, you know? So like, it's just, I kind of have this very volatile relationship with people close to me sometimes. Yeah. Well, you know, it happens. It happens. Um, what, what was the worst uh, you ever got into it with a team or a rider over a story or something you said? Um, there've been some people that don't like me. For whatever reasons, I'm not really sure. Like, just I don't think they just like my demeanor, or they I don't know. I, I don't know. I, they just they didn't like me, and so there have been guys that I just like didn't get along with, and mm-hmm. I would just ignore them, and I just wouldn't give them coverage. Yeah, like that's my like I get that option. Like, if you're not going to give me an interview, well, guess what? You're not going to get print, or you're not going to get press in the magazine, or anything like that. And it's right. just it is what it is. And Don has had that happen too, so he's oh, yeah. pretty understanding of yeah. it. Yeah, the worst was when. Um, I had to ask a press conference question at like Anaheim one, one year. And like it had the best intention when I asked it, because like, you know how those press conferences are, dude, nobody wants to be there. Like all of those guys sat in front of that table and they just like spat out the same bullshit. And it just, it is what it is. And so, but we're, you know, 24 hours away from the biggest race of the year and the most exciting point. And so I just like real politely, like raise my hand. I'm like, Hey man, you know, you guys don't look like you're having fun up there. Like, what makes tomorrow night fun? Mm-hmm. And Chad, like, Chad being Chad, he's like, well, if you guys ask better questions, we would have more fun. And uh, KTLA uh, ran with that. Oh, and yeah? they put it on their fucking, uh, like, 7 a.m. news spot the next morning. So my dumbass is, like, broadcasting, like, millions of homes in the Southern California, yeah, yeah. Play, like, area. And I like wanted to crawl into a hole and die. Uh, <laughs> it was terrible. That's the by far like one of the worst things that's ever happened. Sounds like that's just something to chat. I know. Yeah. Right. Right. But then like me and Chad are tight because, you know, like I wouldn't say tight, but like we're, you know, we have mutual respect for each other. Like we can talk about stuff other than just motor, like motor yeah. Like we talk about MotoGP, you know, I've been, he's been cool enough to like invite me to his track. Like we've done a lot of stuff together. Chad was Chad and Ellie. The most pissed that anybody's ever been was when me and Don broke the news of two, two shutting down. That's the most pissed anybody has ever been at me in my entire life. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That was bad. That was a rough, but it had to happen. It was near like, the end of the nationals, right? Uh, wasn't it like right in the middle of the nationals? Right middle, yeah. 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 Uh, I want to say like after a high point or something. Right. And like we had all known like things weren't going that well. And Don somewhere along the lines was like, Hey, uh, I got a phone call from one of Chad's sponsors that he just was in there and just told everybody it's done. He goes, so if you want to do some digging, like you can go do whatever you want. I want you to do this. Like you have to get an answer to this by the end of the day, but it's under your name. I'm like, okay. And like me just like did it, like got all the information. It was completely factual. There was no, there was no element to that that anybody can argue that was not true. And, uh, it was just a sensitive subject because all these guys, get fired you know and now looking back at it like you know as someone that did get fired last year i see how hard that would be to have your entire your entire life just kind of like put out in the public eye like that yep and it would be and it would be pretty hard you know especially as you go through this oh shit what am i going to do with my future thing 
Dude, Chad and Ellie were fucking livid with us. But, like, time heals all wounds. Me and Ellie had, like, a nice long talk in Australia last year. I'm like, hey, you know, I never have meant any harm to you guys. I'm just doing my job. And I hope you realize that. And she goes, you know what? Like, we get it because you're just doing your job and just emotions run high in the moment. But, like, we can't yeah. – we, we've never, like, really held it personally against you. I'm like, okay, as long as that's cool now. Right. Like, I appreciate that. And that's a cool thing because, like, I have a Chad Reed rookie year jersey. And the fact that I have one of those that Dan Truman gave me, it doesn't change the way I cover Chad in any way, shape, or form. But the fact that, like, if I could tell 10-year-old Anton, like, you're going to have one of Chad's rookie jerseys, yeah. he would just freaking lose his mind. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. like, there's a lot of, there's a, like, that's the thing that a lot of people don't see. You do because you're involved in it. And if you're in the industry, you see it. But, like, there's a lot of stuff you have to do. And it's not just so cut and dry that you can just throw everybody under the bus every single Saturday. You know, like, you're not going to get the access that you need to make the other stories happen if you just fucking roast them all. Yeah, the no, it's it's 100%. It, yeah, you, you really can't. And, yep. and, like, not to get on, like, a soapbox or anything like that, that's kind of a thing that I've started to get a little uh, sick of when I see it on, especially on Twitter. Like, I get that, you know, these guys are athletes and stuff like that, and it's a show that they're watching Supercross, but, like, some really personal details of some of these guys' lives have been put out in the open. And it's like, yeah, dude, how do you expect them to take this? Like when, you know, marital things or whatever they have going on gets blasted out and they've never said anything about it, but it's just like this gossipy shit. Yeah. These are human people too. You kind of have to have some respect that everybody's going through well, some shit in their lives. Y- y- you know, I've always said like, I got to show up on Saturday night and face these guys. So whatever I write, you know, I got to be there. Stand behind. I got to stand behind there. I got to be there. It's got to be right. It's got to be factual. It's got to be a, an opinion based on some sort of evidence or some sort of proof or knowledge of something. Um, mm-hmm. And then I got to be there on Saturday and see them, you know, that's... and these and like certain people and they're not even media people. So it's not like I'm trying to like throw like shadow shade or whatever to anybody. It's just people on Twitter that like, oh, I yeah. heard such and such on a message board and I'm going to say this about it now and tag this person. It's like, bro, you can't do that just because you're not going to run into this person at the gas station. Like, yeah. You yeah. can't say this shit just because you're not going to see him. Like, yeah, you have to have some form of human decency. That's what happens nowadays, Anton, for sure. Yeah. So, oh, it, I get it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you're 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 living the dream. Back in St. Louis and working in the moto media, like it's perfect. It's perfect. Honestly, dude, like I I I've told my chick this like a million times. If something happens tomorrow, and they're like, "Hey, man, you got like 48 hours to live," I've lived like 20 lifetimes. Like wow. I'm good. God, no one loves going over to Europe like you do. God. That's awesome. Yeah. God, you see me I, over in Paris or Geneva or these nations, and I'm just miserable, and, and I'm like, ah, and you're just like loving it, loving it. <laughs> you know what? I want to go to some places that would really challenge, like, my outlook on life. Yeah. Like, we've gone, like, I, like we went to Bulgaria, and I would say Bulgaria yeah, is that was cool. one of the, like, that's probably one of the, but honestly, Bulgaria is not that different from what I grew up in. Super gray, yeah, kind of yeah. sketchy, super seedy. Like, right. you know, kind of can't say. Got to be around who you're with and stuff like that. That but, uh, like, I I got, would, that restaurant was good though. That we went to after the right, yeah, yeah. But like, and and Paris is awesome, and Geneva is amazing, and like all these places are beautiful, and I'm so glad I get to go to them. But I really want to go to a place that, like, when I leave that plane ride, I'm like, holy shit, I'm a changed person because I went there. Yeah, yeah, I guess I, I'm a little more, you know. Um, yeah, you want to like, but I, I get it. I respect it. Cause I want to know where the nearest Starbucks is too. I need a cup of coffee. <laughs> in the middle of the 
middle of the day. Like, it's shit. Yeah. It's hard. Well, I mean, not that I'm not pulling the up. I walked uphill to school both ways on you here, but I, I mean, this is my 20, uh, 24th year mm-hmm. in the pits, right? Going to the races. So I'm not, yeah. I need to re, you know, I need to rediscover some of it. It's it's been a while since I've you know been doing this. And like so. when you and I, when I came up and did the show last year, like last July, we had that big long talk about like, dude, tell me about the old days. Like that's what I asked Dahmer to do all the time. Is yeah. like, hey, just tell me old Moto ninety stories, like nineties Moto. Just tell me all that stuff. And the thing of it is, is like I have such a respect for that because I couldn't have done it. I don't think. Like I really don't know. The mat, like not knowing how to get around places or like not really having like how you did it as a privateer mechanic and all that stuff. I have the utmost respect for it. That's crazy. I couldn't have done it. And I read a bunch of, um, I read a bunch of like old MotoGP or Formula One books from Uh like the 50s and 60s and 70s. Dude, I really don't know how much I could have loved this sport if I was seeing my friends get killed. Right? Yeah, that yeah, that part's pretty gnarly. Fuck, dude. I don't, I like, Um, we are, I'm so lucky that I get to be in this like little time and place. Of, of the life what what bugs you about the media modal media uh what bugs you either the media itself uh, or the riders and teams or the, the the promoters or what bugs you um honestly like the one thing like that time you guys called me like you and michael Lindsay called me and everybody yes thought hashtag, crazy. hashtag gate yep i just really wish that it was just more um like well managed just like we just have to like communication is my number one thing. Like if you're not communicating with each other of what's going on, it's just kind of like pointless. You know, like we need to see stats. We need to know like who's doing what. There's no point in all the secrecy in certain elements because like we all find out anyway. So just make it easier in the first place and not make it look like like the Chase Sexton thing. We know he's hurt. Just come out with it. You know, when he broke his collarbone last year. Yeah. Yep. You know, like instead of making it this big production, just yeah, hey, you know what? We're kind of dealing with this. Here we go. Instead of us like making us like hunt for it and peck for it, it doesn't really yeah. make sense. Yeah. And then as far as like when you go to the races, it'd just be easy if you knew, hey, at this time, this time, this time, you're going to get this stuff, and you don't have to kind of like hunt for certain things yeah. or fight with it, security it, guards or whatever. You know. But like, yeah, everybody's ahead. it's getting better. It's getting better. But we just have to all be on the same. Like we all. This is something that I told the guys at Feld a week ago. We all have to know what the five-year plan for the sport is. Because if I have an idea and you have an idea and they have an idea and we all don't know, how are we going to get to this end result that's going to make it better? You know, Otherwise, we're all just kind of running around with our heads cut off with no real direction. Right, right. Yeah. No, and that's sense. where I – and like where, when I said that a couple of years ago, like that's where I'm going. Like just give me a plan of where we're going so we can all work towards a common goal instead of just being like, I'm out for me and fuck everybody else. Yeah, um, I definitely think the teams could be more professional towards the media, but then other t- other thought of me, other things of me think about, you know, I mean, let's face it, I'm not the most professional person. I swear on the air. I make fun of people. I, I have, you know, I make jokes. I, I, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I, I try to keep it light and laugh about the sport and everything else, which is not that quote-unquote professional. So sometimes when I'm like, hey, man, you know, you should talk to the media here, this, this rider, this team. You should tell people, like, then I think to myself, well, maybe they look at me and just like, look at this clown. So I don't know, you know, like, I, I kind of see both sides of that. But it does get me mad that, that they're not more professional, you know, towards I, the media. So, you know, and like, like you said, you've done this for 25 years. 
you know, is 24, 25 years. So you've seen it all. You know, you went through that whole, we're going to be the next big thing. We're going to be bigger than baseball. Oh, yeah. Thing. Give me a break on that. And right. then it yeah. didn't happen. And, like, I understand where you get a j- where you get jaded by it because I'm at this point now where I'm like, this thing could be big. How are we going to get it this big again? How are we going to do this stuff? Because we're kind of at a tipping point, I feel, right now. You know, how, how much bigger is Moto going to get? What are we going to do to make it this, like, you yeah. can't miss this shit every Saturday night kind of thing. Right. And I don't know what is the plan to get there. And so I get that. But then at the same time, too, I'm also like, you know what? Like, we just kind of have to realize we have this weirdo little deal. Everything else I'm involved in 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 life is this weirdo shit that I like. Moto is just another one of those things. And if this is what it is, I just need to understand how I can be happy and make this thing as good as it can be in my own ways and stay happy with it. Because the access that you and I have sometimes – I, I do wish there were certain things that were better. And there's other times where you and I run into the Kawasaki truck while they're having like these massive team meetings and hundred thousand dollar suspension and all this other shit is taken apart five feet away. And we're making coffee and like joking with people, you know? And I said the same, like I tweeted to you the other day, you know, like Koi, look at Koi Gibbs. When he goes to the Daytona 500, I'm sure there's people that are just trembling when they see Coy. And then you and I just like voluntarily go into his trailer just to get harassed by him. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like we yeah. are in a yeah. very fortunate no. thing. Or, you know, I can text Roxon right now. Um, I yeah. can I can text AC right now. I can't text Eli. But, um, but you know, basically, you know, basically you can't text LeBron or, or whatever. You know what I mean? So in some ways, yeah. things are great, right? Like some ways in our sport, the access is awesome because I can – I just called up Chad and Brayton the other day to get quotes for a story. Like, you can do that. So, you know, that's pretty good. I think, like, like I watch, now that I, like, you know, work from home, I'm watching a hockey game right now. Uh, watch Center again in a little bit. I'll watch all this stuff. And I, like, see the Stephen A. Smiths and all that. Dude, I never want to get to a point where it's you and me just, like, on air. Yeah, just debating. Yeah, exactly. Screaming right? at each other over yeah. bullshit. Yeah, yeah, but I know, right? the cool thing that you and I can do right now is, like, and Weege and Don and Guy B and all these dudes that are, like, a credible media guys that don't just, like, come up with clickbait bullshit. Like, dude, we can really make whatever we want right now, and people are going to get into it. It's just got to be well done because I think that's the other thing in media that's about to happen, like, the good shit is going to last and the fake stuff is going to die. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I've, I've said that a long time. Like people are like, people ask me like, Hey, I want to do a podcast or whatever. I, I'm like, okay, cool. No problem. You want to do a podcast? Well, don't try to be another podcast, be yourself. And if yourself is unique and funny and has a, a, a different take or you're able to articulate something, it will find the cre the, the cream will rise to the top. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But if you're trying to be something that you, you're not, it's not going to work. So, Like you can't expect to be like a shock jock and think that you're going to last more than six weeks. You know? Right, right. It's, just not, it's not going to happen. And like you're a good friend of mine. Like you are a very good friend, and I, I really credit you with a lot of the stuff of why I've gotten this far in my career. Like you and Don are two of the most fundamental people that have helped me. Don in a lot of direct ways, you in a lot of indirect ways because you've just kind of been like, you know, a sign of yeah. support when I needed it. And uh, I see how your fan base is. And, like, I think it's awesome that you have these fans. Like, I know a bunch of them are, you know, live and die pulp people. And that's cool. You know, like, what's cool that we have so many people that are into that. Yeah. You get to be Mathis because you have these people that understand this is the way to go. 
for any other person that's out there, like, I'm not going to try to be the next Mathis. I just want to be the first Anton. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's not going to work. Was the first Don. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, I'm not, I'm not one day going to be like, well, I'm Jody now and I'm going to yeah. talk down to everybody. Like, <laughs> no, dude, I'm just Anton. I yeah. just want to share with you how awesome this shit yeah, is. Yeah. Whatever it is that you do, do, do you, you know, you do mm-hmm. you. And that's how everybody's got to be. Like, you wouldn't work in my spot. You're not the personality. You're not the type of guy to do that. And I wouldn't work in your spot, you know, but mm-hmm. you got to find your thing and do it. And I tell people that. I'm like, do a podcast. Cool. Just do your thing. Like whatever it is, it'll find an audience. It'll the audience will find you if you're interesting and good enough. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, how do you, you like like you said, we're good friends. Uh, but you are a different cat from a lot of people in the pits, and you know this. Um, it's stuff we've talked oh, about yeah. before. Um, you lean differently politically. You the philosophy of life, I think, is different than a lot of people. Um, the way you act is different. Uh. Uh, how is that sometimes for you? Because I know, like, even, you know, on my end of things, I- I'm just like, I can't believe some of these people. Like, like I cannot believe some of these people that are in power are this stupid, for one. Like, there's some people that are just, like, fundamentally are not smart. And mm-hmm. and you're like, holy crap, this is amazing. So that has to be frustrating for you sometimes. And, and then you're, you know, you're out there on social media a little more than I am. And, like, yeah, you're even, you're just a different dude from... 95% of people in the pits. Um, I mean, I have really no other way. I mean, <laughs> no, no. Is, yeah, I, for sure. I, yeah. Yeah. I am who I am. I, I, and that's the thing too. Like, uh, dude, my mom and dad raised me. Like I was an adult from the time I was like eight years old, you know, not that they like gave me unrealistic responsibilities, but they talked to me like an adult, you know? And then I raised my brother, like an adult when, you know, he and I were younger, like it was him and I a lot, around each other a lot. And, Honestly, like I've had so many people kind of in the past, not people in moto, but just growing up like formative years, just treat me like shit and be dismissive to me that I never want to be dismissive to anybody. Yep. And I understand like, hey, man, we're all going through our own struggles. You know, like everything is good in a lot of ways, but people, everybody is dealing with something else somewhere that maybe we don't know about. And you don't want to be the reason why someone just snaps one day or they feel like shit. I never want to make somebody feel like shit. Right. You know, right. And like, yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Like, I know a lot of people on Twitter think I'm just a fucking moron. But like, the thing you got to realize is, is like, A, I watch politics like while some of you people watch fantasy sports. So I know that like maybe people don't understand like why I'm so chatty about this. It's like, no, dude, I've sat there and studied this stuff. Like, I was going to be a history teacher. Like, I, I've, I know all of this shit already. I, I follow all this stuff. I was going to be a, I went to a psychiatrist a couple times and they're like, yeah, dude, you're very good at listening. Like, you know what to do. I've, I, I get it. So I, all these experiences I have have just made me this way. And I don't know how to be any other way than just like, Hey man, either you like me or you don't, but you're not going to change me. And I'm not really worried about it. And as for the Twitter thing, like I'm basically talking to five people, like my wife, my brother <laughs> and three other friends I have. Yeah. And it just so happens that but, a couple other people follow me and they just don't understand why the hell I'm this way. Do you think some of the people in the pits don't like you for what they perceive you are? Um, I think a few years ago, yes, because I yep. was almost like too lovey-dovey. And I wouldn't say I've hardened up a bit, but I just know like, hey, man, just I need to just be even keel all the time. Yep. Like I don't need to be too up or too down like because I've had high points and I've had really, really low points. Uh-huh. And I don't need to make that come into effect on Saturday. I just need to go to do the job on Saturday and hang out with people and, and make sure I don't have any distractions. Um, as for people in the pits, like, Honestly, I think everybody now that I've been around for so long, they're just like, oh, it's Anton. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is what he is. Yeah. He, 
he's not he's harmless and, and like, you know and i and i've been part of that like uh, you know at your expense making fun of laughing about you yeah you know, but that's but, the thing like i can like i'll joke about you like i'm the most self-depreciating person there is in the pits you know too and i'll yeah. tell you like i just had my uncle just make fun of my haircut like 25 <laughs> minutes before we started this phone call and i'm like yeah dude whatever yeah care. yeah 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 who cares right like yeah. i ain't gonna make yeah. everybody happy but if i'm happy that's the only thing that like as long as me my chick my dog Don and my family are happy. That's all I'm worried about. Right, right. No, and that's 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 a good attitude for sure. But, but, I mean, our pits are full of people that you're just like, wow. Would you agree um, with me on but, that? <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you this: I've never, not once, decided not to talk to somebody because they don't have a similar outlook as me. Yes. That's just yeah. To do that, it, the minute that you put yourself in that bubble and you go, I'm not going to talk to this person for X, Y, Z reason you're just as big of an issue. You're just as bigoted and just as much of a problem because you're not opening up yourself to see why they think that way or why they come across that way. Right. So well, okay, hold you kind of have to do that. I've not talked to people because they're morons, though. Um, <laughs> you would probably talk to those people because Wygant does. Wygant talks to them all the time, and I'm like, what are you doing? That guy's an idiot. He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I don't have yeah. time for that. But like, I'm an idiot to somebody else too. Yeah, so like, that's true. I gotta balance that out. You sure. know, like, I know I'm not right. I know I'm a moron. I know I'm like a <laughs> dumbass. You know, so like, I get it. But like, I know there have been people, like racers and other people, that don't like that I'm just so like everybody love everybody. Like, you, sh- we're all in this shit together. We all gotta help each other. We're all going through something. Yeah. And I know no, that some true. people have not thought that that's the right way to be for religious or social or whatever reasons in the past, and they've like clipped me or they've like given me the silent treatment for a bit but i don't hold it against them you know because then once yeah the heat dies down a bit i'm like hey man what's up and they talk to me like nothing ever my, happened i'm like well it is what it is yeah my i have the same attitude i'm like yeah no problem cool i'm doing i'll do my thing you do your thing i'm and we'll I'm, catch up later on yeah and we'll, and we'll see how it goes down the road i mean you know when barsha came up and said hey man let's let's start again like i'm just like wow i'm uh, sure 100 percent. i'm ready like I would never hold that against you, but I was really impressed that he did that. Like, I did not think that would happen. And and so now we we started again, and we're fine, and everything's great. And, you know, I'm like, okay, this is part of the gig. I'll be here. I'll be here whenever you're not mad. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'll like, still be here. The other thing is, too, like, I'm not I, – I know that there's a lot of people that read what we write and, and act like, you know, moto media is not real journalism. It's like, well – whatever like you can say what you want and maybe that's true and maybe that's not true i'm not i'm not gonna sit there and argue that with you but at the same time too like i'm not gonna fabricate stories and do a bunch of fake bullshit which is the anti-journalism but then at the same time too i will tell anybody i talk to or anybody i write a story about like hey man this is why i said what i said or this is why we did what we did and you i've given you a chance to say something in return and i'll give you an equal platform every time yeah like you know the Joey Savacci thing that we did last year, that whole podcast thing, yep. that pissed a lot of people off. That pissed one very important person off. And they, like Eli, it's straight up, Eli was not happy with us because, you know, we, yeah. we put a big thing out there that made his career not look so great and it caught a lot of flack. And uh, he he blocked SWAT Moto Live from social media for a bit and, like, didn't really want anything to do with us. And then at Monster Cup, like, that's all anybody wanted to talk to him about. Like, anybody that right. was just trying for, like, a clickbait title just ran with my article, right. or with my podcast. Yeah. And it's like, well, fuck, dude, if you're not going to add anything to the conversation and you're just going to sit there and just grind this thing into the ground, like, you can't expect him not to get mad, right? Right. So I went to Vanessa, the Kawasaki PR rep. I'm like, hey, man, 
I know he's not mad. Like, I just want to squash this though. Like, you know, I don't want yeah. him to be best friends with me, but I just want him to realize, like, a, this is where I'm coming from. B, this was not a personal attack. And C, we're going to have to do something together in the future sometime anyway, so let's just get this out of the way as soon as we can. And, like, her and I joked about it, and she's like, oh, yeah, we'll make sure that it happens. And a couple weeks ago at San Diego, I just I saw him in the pits on Friday night, and I walked right up. I'm like, hey, man, uh, you know, we've done some How Was Your Weekend interviews already, but I just want to talk to you, like, face-to-face, man-to-man about, like, this whole podcast thing. I, yeah. I know you're mad at us. I, you have every right to be pissed. I'm not asking for an apology. I'm not really over here, like, kissing your ass. Just this is a hat-in-hand reason. I'm sorry that we've pissed you off. Uh, I did not mean to, like, have an axe to grind with you or do anything to hurt you. I just did my job. And he goes, the only thing that made me mad is that we didn't get a chance to rebuttal. And I go, well, I did actually talk to people to give you a chance to, to like, speak your side, and they said you didn't want to. And he's like, you did? And I go, mm-hmm. He goes, well, if you did, I can't be mad at you now. I'm like, there we go. <laughs> you know, once once you talk it out with everybody and everybody yeah. sees where they're coming from, yep, it's not too bad. There are some people that are just going to be argumentative, and you're never going to win them over. Yeah, but like I did my job by saying, like, hey man, this is the problem. This is the solution. This is why I did things the way I did. Yep, you can love it or you can leave it. Yep, and that's what we are. I went to an agent for a rider that didn't like me, and I said, hey man, look, I got a big platform, and your guy is not talking and not coming on and talking a lot of crap about us. I said I've I've not I've not unleashed on this person because I don't you know it's not gonna, I'm not going to make it personal like you know it, it, it's not personal here, um, but if you if you know if you if you want to talk to your your rider and ask him what's up and you know I'll meet him I'll talk to him I'll call him like whatever you want and then I just got no response and and I'm like okay see you later you know what I mean like I, I know where I'm at um, mm-hmm. if you if you as the agent the representative don't take this seriously or don't want to help this then then i've done my job you know mm-hmm. so, so that's and like yeah. and that's the thing like you didn't try to blackball anybody or black nah. like, yeah you know if you don't do this we're fucking done like no dude like you did what you did yeah and then you cover you cover cover, them cover it good bad whatever yeah exactly you just, yeah. you just move on you know you, know, you, know, you but, haven't yeah. you don't talk you don't call him a dickhead or anything like that and every chance you get on the editorial like you just you know hey man i'm just there to speak about the racing yep you know yeah and pretty everything much. else is whatever but but if, but if to me if that agent or and what Vanessa did was was smart or I don't guess she actually didn't do anything but she was going to do something. Uh, and oh no, it, I talked to Vanessa before I talked to Eli. I'm oh okay, like, hey, yeah, yeah. See you in a good mood. And she's like, "Yep, now's your time." Okay, so yeah, yeah. Like, so so that's smart. And then this, if this agent was smart, they'd realize, look, this this Mathis guy has a huge platform and is very you know is legit and he's at every race. I need to try to mend this. I need to try to mend this somehow. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, and nothing happened, and whatever. So. Okay. All right. Well, that goes to a little bit of, you know, the professionalism of people in our sport. So, yeah. And I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, again, we're yeah. just, it's just dirt bike racing, man. Yeah, like, exactly. That's, that's, it's just, we're not, we're not curing cancer here, everybody. <laughs> we're just, and I know, I'm sure that, like, when you talked to Ray, when you had the hockey podcast, that there were hockey players and agents that did the same thing. Dude, it was, you know? it was, it was crazy how a big four sport, he ran into the same issues that we run into. I, I cannot believe it. Like, I'm like, really? Like, but then again, like, when I was at Yamaha and there was issues and problems, we always used to joke, like, yeah, I'm sure Factory Honda uh, has this issue or whatever. You know, I'm sure Factory Honda is doing this. Like, you know, just making jokes, like, as if they would ever happen. And then Gothic J goes to Honda. He's like, yeah, we're screwed up too, man. We got, you know, we got things that go 
go wrong here too. Like we're not factory Honda, like, you know, RJ and McGrath and all, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like it's just a company, it, it, good things, bad things, problems, issues, right? All of that. And, and it kind of like, Oh yeah, like shit, we used to make jokes about how Honda was probably so awesome and perfect. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then you would think a mainstream sport like hockey would be so perfect and everything else. But, oh, my God, Anton, the stuff that Ferraro would tell me about wives and girlfriends and agents and players, I'm like, oh, this is ringing really true for me, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, crazy. It happens the same way. So, And, I mean, let, let's see what it is. It's a human element to it. Like, humans by nature are goofballs. Yeah. Like, we're going to do some crazy shit. And when you get a bunch of people from way different backgrounds, super diverse backgrounds, in different positions, like it has no reason other than to be what it is. Yeah. Of course it's yeah. going to be a disaster. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. So, um, fly racing racer X podcast presented by the folks at Maxis and the folks at Renthal, Michael Antonovich from swap moto live. Uh, thanks man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Did we get everything? Did we thanks, cover Mathis. it all? Did we cover everything? I think we did. St. Yeah. Louis, St. Louis is on. Mm-hmm. You can go hang out. I'm by trying, the, man. You can go hang out by the arch tonight. No, I'm in the. I'm I'm at home tonight. We're good. We live like we live like 30 minutes away from the arch. I live in a town of like a thousand people. I live in the town that I grew up in. Yeah, uh, or the town that we moved to. Um, I like, dude. I'm I'm three blocks from the grade school that I went to as a little kid. That you know, right. I I took a walk the other day with my dog and was just like, if eleven, like again, if ten or eleven year old Michael could know the amazing life that he's been given and like all the cool shit that he's seen, he would freak out, Yeah, you know, including the fact yeah. like if you, if like I could go back and tell him like, bro, guess what? In 2020, you're going to get to go to every race every weekend. And Fox is going to have that same flame. I like the Fox head flame hoodie is going to be back in style. And like Chad Reed is still going to be racing. He'd be like, fuck yeah, this is sick. This is sick. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, that's funny. No, it's, it's, it's cool, man. I'm glad you appreciate it still. And, and everything seems to be going well with Swap Moto Live, considering the absolute terrible direction it could have taken when Transworld was sold, and you guys, you know, didn't know what was going on and everything else. So yeah, you're up and running, and it looks like you're thriving, and uh, you know, you're podcast competitors to me. So we can we can never talk again, <laughs> I guess. So <laughs> you're, I'm going to be on the Moto Sixty show on Thursday, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. But like exactly. that's the thing too, dude. Like, you know, uh, I've said this a million times. I cannot be say thank you enough to all the people in the industry and all the fans that have like gotten behind what Don, Donnie, Dahmer and I are doing. Right. Because, because dude, I mean, this thing's awesome. I'm glad that people just want to see content and I'm glad that they get behind it and that they want to be it out there, you know, and I just want to make shit that people want to read. I just want to make something that like another kid is like, yeah, Yeah. man, this is awesome. I can't wait to see the next thing. Right. I, I remember being that kid that would refresh like the Supercross, like Lex's old supercross.com message board. Oh yeah. 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 Dying for results. Or Moto News. Remember Moto News? Moto News, bro. Well, Moto News, I thought you had to have a subscription to. Oh, okay. My mom and dad weren't copping for the subscription. Okay. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, there's, there's all the things that I've helped you with. Does it offset the the scarf and macaroni and cheese pizza comments that you get on social media and in person? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, okay good. because good uh, to hear. I mean, I am what I am. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, that's the thing. Like, everybody was like, I uh, was in Atlanta last week, and somebody's like, "Where's the scarf at?" And I like pulled my jacket out. I'm like, "Oh no, dude, we've moved on to turtlenecks." Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Turtlenecks. We'll keep right. up in the game. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, well, thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Fly Racing Racer X Podcast with Michael Antonovich. Uh, thanks, Anton. And as usual, we will see you at the races, man. I'll see you Saturday.